Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Manage your energy, not your time, because time is finite, the energy is different. You can constantly renew it. And if you look after your energy level as a leader, the most important tasks almost just get done. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Amy Crawford. Amy is the CEO of Avado, professional training and coaching company focused on developing tomorrow's workforce via digital learning experiences. Amy's been with the business for 11 years and is responsible for the design and development of Avado's product portfolio. Prior to Avado, Amy worked in mass participation sporting events with a focus on product development and large-scale ops management. Amy joins us today to share her insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Amy. It's great to have you with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So thank you for making the time. So can you tell us a little bit about Avada, the organisation that you lead, please? What are you working towards and what do you stand for? Yeah, I can indeed. So at Avado, we have a really deep belief that true organisational transformation isn't digital, but human. And we partner with some of the UK's largest and most innovative employers to help them solve some of their biggest people challenges. And really specifically, we help them with three things. So we help them reach a diverse pipeline of talent. Mm -hmm. We help get their career starters business ready and we upskill and reskill their people in data and digital skills. And in doing so, we create a real value and return on investment for those clients. So we reduce the time and cost of their talent acquisition, which is highly expensive. We increase the speed at which that talent creates impact and we improve their ability to retain their top talent as well. And at the forefront of all of that sits our our programme called Fast Futures, which is a work readiness programme which Mm. provides young people from all backgrounds with the digital business skills that organisations need. So we kickstart young people's careers and also address the skills gaps for employers. And since we launched that in 2020, we've had over 5,000 young people graduate from the programme and connected them with all organizations who really struggle to reach that pipeline of diverse talent and then we continue to upskill and reskill them through apprenticeships professional qualifications and boot camps developing all of those really important future skills in data innovation customer and change and we're proud enough to work with like a load of amazing partners including bt google the nhs british airways uk civil service legal and general and many more with all of their really important people transformation challenges Fantastic. Fantastic. And and so in terms of you being the leader of that organisation, what kind of challenges are you up against at the minute? Well, I think the challenge that we're trying to solve um, in our industry is one of these really big, knotty macro problems. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all know that the UK has got a really deteriorating economic outlook at the moment, um, all a bit depressing. But productivity and skills are a really big part of addressing that. And many of our clients, so the big names that I mentioned earlier, who are kind of a, a big part of that economy, are desperately trying trying to close their skills gaps post-pandemic, bringing in new talent into their organisation, specifically that really exciting, diverse Gen Z talent that's going to power their future innovation and future-proof their businesses. Mm -hmm. So those clients and partners have got a real appetite to do that, Um, but they've got a number of things or kind of problems that they're trying to solve. So firstly, they don't always know how to reach that diverse talent pool. Mm -hmm. When they do, their brands don't necessarily appeal to that audience. 
And then even if they can attract them as applicants, their recruitment processes, I mean, often geared to kind of like the old, almost kind of like Russell group, um, group of universities, that their recruitment processes aren't sufficiently unbiased to allow those that kind of like talent pool to succeed. So you've kind of got the, the kind of employer problem at one end. And then at the other end of the scale, you have this kind of like incredible Gen Z audience who are leaving education, often without the skills that employees really need and value. So in mm-hmm. data, finance, marketing or customer centricity. And also they just really don't know the career options that are available to them. So our mission at Avado is to really try and bridge that gap. Fantastic. Fantastic. And what a mission. And what yeah. A mission. Oh, yeah. Really exciting. Brilliant, brilliant. And so how far along that journey are you? Obviously, you mentioned you're working with some great clients at the moment. In terms of solving those challenges, you're working with university leavers and school leavers. Yeah, so, I mean, yes, all, all of the above. But I think really what we're trying to do, um, particularly kind of with Fast Futures, is to reach the kind of like the, the lower socioeconomic groups who wouldn't naturally consider mm-hmm. some of like the larger employers in the UK and that the kind of like the head office type careers okay. as their future direction of travel. So really it's kind of like how we how we plug um, our very successful Fast Futures programme, which has been established for the last couple of years now. Um, we actually kind of started up in the pandemic to specifically support that group of young people who were kind of like disproportionately affected by the challenges of the pandemic. So how we link those into the kind of like the the um, the now kind of like increasing number of entry level careers um, opportunities that are available in our clients. Fantastic, fantastic. And and in terms of your own career, then can you talk to us about your journey into leadership? Because I had a little look at your LinkedIn profile and I see there's a natural sciences degree at Cambridge. So I'm fascinated how you go from there to where you are now was it always the was it always your intention to sort of have the ceo seat or was leadership something you were always interested in how did that happen yeah that's a great question so i guess in reality it's a bit by design and a bit by luck i think probably the same for most people mm-hmm. so i think that i've always naturally been someone that puts their hand up for stuff i step into gaps that i see i mm-hmm. naturally kind of like rally people together to solve problems and i'm really driven by wanting to make things better at achieving goals Mm -hmm. I've also been really lucky enough to work with people who have supported and nurtured me and given me and allowed me that kind of stretch and challenge to grow into different roles. So in that way, kind of over the course of my career for the kind of 20 years, every kind of 18 months to two years, there's always been this really natural opportunity for me to step into a a bigger role. I've been at Avado now for just over 10 years. Every every couple of years I've moved on. So I've moved from a head of a department to managing director with P&L accountability and then to COO for kind of like three years and then kind of like more recently into um, CEO uh-huh. and actually that was a, kind of an interesting time um, as COO which came in my late 30s because if you'd have asked me prior to that time as a COO about four years ago I would have very clearly stated to you that I had the ambition to be a CEO mm-hmm. and then funnily enough I went through a phase after that where I really wasn't sure for a while and I think in reality it's because I had a lot going on at home I co-parent two small boys I probably had that very feminine trait around I wasn't sure I could do it but then I started seeing an executive
executive coach last year, which is that coaching process has been really valuable for me. Um, And she, as as she helped me explore my future career aspirations, she challenged me, and I remember her doing it, um, as to why I was suddenly discounting being a CEO when it had been such a clear ambition for me just a few years prior. And I think because from her experience, having worked with with many, she said that she could see some of those traits in me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But then um, I kind of, I guess I took that on board. And then the opportunity came for me to take on the CEO role at Avado earlier this year. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like a really obvious next step to take. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was really ready for the challenge. And then, yeah, here I am. Fantastic. I think we all kind of need calling out on those those is it self-limiting belief or whatever it is that that stops you I think everybody needs somebody be it an executive coach or somebody in your peer group to just call you out on hang on a minute are you sure you can't do this that's exactly it was just the nudge I think that I needed and then yeah it just meant that then when the opportunity came up actually again I was ready to put my hand up and step into it yeah good for you good for you brilliant and and so you mentioned nurturing and supporting and some of those words earlier in the conversation what I'm really interested in is your perspective of what makes a good leader are there certain characteristics that you think are absolutely paramount for all leaders or is it very much case by case yeah so I think well there's loads of things that define a great leader aren't there but there's a there's an amazing Harvard Business Review article actually on this subject that I read a couple of months ago that really resonated with me and Harvard had discovered that the single largest predictor of success amongst leaders actually kind of wasn't things like charisma influence or even kind of like innovative genius it was positive energy was their definition of the most the kind of the most key success factor mm-hmm. and you know that kind of like natural positive magnetic energy that some leaders have that just kind of draws people into them mm-hmm. and actually they talked quite a lot about how that energy effect ignites high performance in organizations so i think for me a great leader is someone who kind of shows up each and every day as an energizer within their mm-hmm. organizations because when you think about the productivity of yourself and your your team energy really is everything because you can't get much done without it you lack focus you lack discipline because your energy is kind of really what determines your state and kind of how you do what you do and I think it was actually um the Microsoft CEO um Satya Nadella who said the energy that you create around you is going to be the most important attribute you bring to others um, which is something he told people kind of at the start of their career and I think that kind of like really sums up for me um what I think is really important and what I try to do I'm not so necessarily sure I necessarily nail that in execution all of the time but definitely kind of showing up with that energy is my intent on a daily basis Fantastic. And so is that that approach to leadership, does that come from any particular experience or piece of advice beyond what you've already mentioned? You know, has your has your leadership style been shaped by people from your past or books that you've read or a piece of advice that someone gave you? Yeah, I, that's tough. One. I mean, I've been I'm quite careful about who I kind of like choose to work kind of like with and for and I've been lucky enough to work with loads of amazing kind of like people and leaders and all of which I think I've kind of tried to absorb like a bit of a sponge around the things that they've done well mm-hmm. along the way but there are definitely two standout specific pieces of advice that I've been given along the way mm-hmm. and the first one is actually very much linked with my answer to your last question and that is manage your energy not your time 
mm-hmm. because time is finite, the energy is different. You can constantly renew it. And if you look after your energy level as a leader, the most important tasks almost just get done naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a result of that, I've become a huge advocate of self-care and making sure that I'm looking after myself properly. So that whole put your own oxygen mask on first um, being really important. And I think I've moved in my thinking from feeling like that's a selfish way of operating to actually it being the absolute best way that I can give more of myself to those Mm -hmm. around me, whether that's at home or at work. Uh And so I religiously try and make time for those things that I know give me that energy. So I go to the gym at least four times a week. I prioritise sleep. I eat healthily. I walk a lot to clear my mind and get some good headspace so I can think clearly because it's really an endurance test and not a sprint. So you have to be able to set yourself up sustainably for the long haul. And I think the the second bit of advice I've been given, um, and again, I remember this one very clearly, is to make the bold decisions about people because as you progress through your career you tend to naturally move from being competent in a role to being a manager and then being a manager of managers and then a leader and so your ability to deliver through a team of people is critical and that starts with having the absolute best people for the roles that you need and you shouldn't compromise because with the right team literally everything becomes easier Yes. And certainly earlier in my career, when I've known that I didn't quite have the right people on the pitch, but I didn't act quickly enough. In retrospect, looking back on it now, it really held the whole team back. And that's how I rationalise those kind of difficult decisions now, because it's Mm -hmm. for the benefit of the wider team and in pursuit of the higher purpose and vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the advice to be bold there is really important, because whilst that element is always a difficult part of leadership, I think in reality, it's very rarely that you'll look back and think, oh, I wish I acted more slowly there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. That's good advice. And leads me quite nicely onto my next question. So if someone was looking to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you offer them? Or are there sort of, if any of them want to know now moments that you would be happy to share with us? Actually, one stems from another piece of great advice I got given. So a few months ago, it was literally as I'd stepped into this role and someone asked me, kind of like, who have you got in your support network? And I kind of like thought quite hard about that. And actually, in the last like few months, I've naturally gravitated towards kind of four people, some friends, a colleague, another who's a non-exec director, mm-hmm. all of whom I know are firm supporters of me who cheerlead me. They want me to succeed, mm-hmm. but they also challenge me kindly. Yes. Um, and I know that I can call on them kind of like whenever or wherever, because uh, let's face it, it's kind of like being a CEO is a, a 24-7 job. Um And I have shamelessly called on their moral support and lent on them as sounding boards over the last few months as I've been kind of making that transition. Yeah. And so I've been hugely grateful for their support and I'm all the better for it. So one piece of advice would be to make sure that you have a close support network around you. Yes. And I think another is to not dwell on the bad days or the mistakes that you make because I mean you're going to make plenty and you absolutely need to reflect on those and learn from them but you have to be able to forgive yourself and move on quickly for them from them so whenever I've kind of had a bad day I just try and wake up the next morning and go right well that was yesterday um, this is what I need to do to course correct that today let's go again and I found that mentality really liberating it just gives you a sense of always being able to move forward Mm -hmm, mm 
yeah if you drop the weight it's easier to yeah move on, exactly it? Let, let it go move like learn but just move on really quickly yeah yeah absolutely fantastic great advice really great advice thank you for that and in terms of leaders sort of past or present famous or otherwise does anyone stand out to you as a leader that you particularly admire and if so what is it about them yeah they do and actually you know what i'm going to answer this question in a probably a slightly different way to how you might expect because actually this isn't so much of a business leader but someone who is trailblazing the way on a topic which i'm hugely passionate about and i think has real relevance to both women and in leadership and women in work more broadly and that's davina mccall um on her incredible mission of normalizing the discussion around the menopause Mm-hmm. And I think it is hugely inspiring and reassuring to so many women, definitely to me, um, because it's just another challenge that female leaders have to face. Because mm-hmm. um, you kind of kind of have this like ironic situation that often your biggest leadership challenge is coming at a time when you have this very complex set of symptoms that you're getting to grips with and navigating as well. Uh-huh. And I think it's really important for us to recognise that. So I find kind of like her leadership on that topic really inspirational and that's significant for Avado too because two-thirds of our team here are women and a significant proportion of which are likely to be perimenopausal and menopausal and I want us to be a really supportive environment for that group and we've started the conversation internally 100 percent there's more that we can do but that i think contribution towards our culture is really important to me and yes. i'm hugely proud of the team for that culture Actually, we've um, we're, we're just in the running for a best workplace for women listing, and we'll Fantastic. find that in a few weeks' time if we've won that. So yeah, I'm kind of like proud of kind of what we've done on that topic, and excited excited where we can take it. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed for the next couple of weeks. But great answer, brilliant answer. Thank you. And and the other thing that I always love to ask is, what are you reading at the moment, or what have you read in the past? So leaders are readers is the adage that people sometimes use so I'm always really interested whether it's a podcast or an audio book or a book what kind of content are you consuming that's helping you as a leader at the moment or has helped you in the past yeah so this is um actually almost it's linked to some of the stuff I've already said actually so I've actually just started reading a book that was recommended to me called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman the strap line of which is uh, time management for mortals um and it's about the premise that if you live until you're 80 that's roughly how many weeks you will get which when you put it like that feels like this terrifyingly short amount of time to be on yes. the planet and as it links with what I shared earlier around managing energy not time because it's basically shunning many of the traditional kind of like productivity or time management tips and challenging the view that so many of us have that someday we'll reach this state of productivity perfection Mm -hmm. with nothing left um, on our to-do lists because it just doesn't work like that let's face it and I think understanding that you will never get to the point where you are completely on top of things especially in a a CEO type role Um, and I think that premise is yeah particularly true for leaders um, and it relieves some of the pressure that we put on ourselves to kind of fight our way towards that um, impossible state. Uh-huh. So it's 4,000 weeks and the author was can you just Oliver Berkman. Oliver Berkman, brilliant. Yeah. I, I will add it to my very extensive list. Thank you for that one. And and so in terms of what's happening over the next six, nine, 12 months beyond the awards and, and all the other great stuff that you've got to, what else is on your desk at the moment? What can you share with us that's exciting at Avado? Our, our 
Yeah, it was a really exciting time for Vardo. So growth is definitely the focus for us over the next kind of like six to 12 months. And we're looking to achieve that by getting really focused on supporting that community of over 5,000 like young people into jobs, mm-hmm. you know, kind of connecting them with the workplace and at the same time helping our clients find and attract that diverse work-ready talent that they need to future-proof their businesses. So you know, that's our goal and really our focus over the next year or so fantastic well thank you for sharing it with us amy i wish you the best of luck it's been i've really enjoyed speaking with you it's been great oh thank you so much for having me